Radiotopia. Welcome to the Kitchen Sisters present PRX. We're the Kitchen Sisters, Davia Nelson and Nikki Silva. Hey there, I'm so excited to tell you about Radiotopia's newest show, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Kenji and Deb are two of the best home cooks alive. J. Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Food Lab and The Walk, and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen. Two of my go-tos to make sure I'm getting the perfect recipe for everything from meatballs to muffins. They're pros who obsess over techniques and essential ingredients, so you learn everything you need to create your perfect recipe. You can finally be excited to eat what you make, and maybe even impress your friends and family. Help us welcome the newest show to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb on your favorite podcast platform starting February 26th. The Kitchen Sisters Present is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Fugitive Waves. Lost recordings and shards of sound, along with new tales of remarkable people from around the world. We're the Kitchen Sisters, Davia Nelson and Nikki Silva. If you're a regular listener to Fugitive Waves, you know we share a lot of different kinds of stories. Stories about lost and found sound, like the tale of eight cardboard acetate discs made in 1947 by Tennessee Williams and his lover Pancho in a penny arcade in New Orleans. That's episode 40 if you haven't heard it. And you hear stories about the hidden world of girls, coming of age, rituals and rites of passage, secret identities, of women who crossed a line, blazed a trail, changed the tide, like Patti Smith, Episode 7, and the WHER Girls, the first all-girl radio station in the nation in Memphis, Tennessee, Episodes 32 and 33. And we often tell stories about hidden kitchens and food and the people who grow it, make it, eat it, and bring their communities together with it. We're producing a new season of Hidden Kitchen Stories airing on NPR's Morning Edition, and we're producing it as an expanded series for Fugitive Waves. That's the great thing about the podcast. We get to push it out there. The theme of this new season is kimchi diplomacy, war and peace and food. But before we get into that, we thought we'd share how Hidden Kitchens was born and some of the early stories. Frances McDormand, who's been part of this project with us from the start, is here to set the stage. A lot of Kitchen Sisters stories are born in taxicabs. Hidden Kitchens was conceived in the back of a yellow. Where's anybody now for uh, Clay and front for the Alcala? 24, Clay Montuana. And uh, 24. Davia lives in San Francisco and hates to drive. She started noticing that every time she got into a yellow cab, the driver was from Brazil. You usually take a cab or what? Um, not just from Brazil, but from the same town in Brazil, Goiânia. Inevitably, these cab ride conversations turn to music and food. Jeanette, right? She does a couple things, also snacks, pão de queijo. 
to like a cheese bread. That's when the story of Jeanette emerged. A woman from their same hometown who comes every day after dark to the abandoned industrial street outside the cab company and sets up a makeshift rolling night kitchen. By dawn, Jeanette and her blue tent are packed up and gone. One night, around midnight, they decided to go in search of this secret cab yard kitchen. A driver had given them a sketchy map and told them to park in the cab lot and walk to Jeanette's outpost from there. Just look like you know where you're going, he said. They walked through the fleet of parked cabs, past a graveyard shift mechanic working on a taxi up on the racks, past the checkout point, and out onto a street in the middle of nowhere. There, under a streetlight and a small blue tarp, huddled over big plates of food, four drivers were laughing, eating in Portuguese. Brazilian music spilled out of a parked cab. Jeanette, shy and smiling, presided. A hidden kitchen vision. After midnight, that's when the big clouds come over. Taxi drivers, nightclub people, bus buyers. This is a spot for everyone. Jeanette's tent, the blue tent. <laughs> we are in front of the garage of Yellow Cab San Francisco. Close by the sidewalk in the middle of nowhere. My name is Sergio Pedroza. I drive Yellow Cab. She comes here and learns to cook for us. You know? My name is Janet Moraes. I make a cooking small business here. Só para a comunidade da Yellow Cab. It's kebabin, and rice and beans, chicken. This is manjar. I am Pedro, new homie, Janet's husband. I was born in Goiânia. I work as a taxi driver they talk. You know, I mean, I help her out a little bit, but this is her business. When I started working at uh, the Yellow Cab Yard, everything was really dirty around there. I needed to make the whole area clean. It was full of homeless people. And the police was always coming to me and saying, be careful, this is a dangerous area. But they looked out for me, and other people started looking out for me. And you're not allowed to uh, serve food there, but I set up that spot. People felt it was a safe place to be and a safe place to eat. Her kitchen, on the beginning, started in her car. Just little things, and then come the rice and beans and the barbecue. My name is Marcos Coelho. I'm from Goiânia, and now the truck is coming. We're not going to have this place anymore. We're going to have a big truck, and uh, she's going to park here and put some tapes outside and the Brazilian music. The tent's not accepted by the health department. So we have to do away with this tent and get a catering truck, legal. We have it legalized. It's $80,000, which is a big investment for us. In the beginning, when she came, was the drivers, you know, the cabbies. On the yellow cab, they like the Brazilian drivers. It's about 386 Brazilian driving a cab. My name is Marcelo Ribeiro. When you grow up in Brazil, the thing we love to do is the car racing and motorcycle racing and a lot of business here, like uh, North Beach Pizza, Mr. Pizza Man, all the drivers. They are from Goiânia. Jeanette's the place where we take a break when we are hungry. Then the good word started to spread out, and now the whole neighborhood you know, comes here. You know? 
Aí ficou brasileiro, americano, é, né? Quer dizer, todas as. The people that deliver papers use that street and musicians stop by to eat. They started to play too when I put out chairs in the street. Then there was the World Cup. We put out the TV set, and you know how Brazilians are. We had 500 people there to watch all the games. We were there until 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. It was crazy. Last night it was raining so hard, it was pouring, and it was so windy, and everything was shaking around here. But she stayed, her friend and her husband, they hold the tent, and after everybody goes home, then she goes home. My name is Iraj Fatanais. I was born in Persia, Iran. I'm a cab driver, I'm driving. I came here to have dinner, everything is good, she cooks. Persian food is rice and kebab, just like this. I didn't know anything about the Brazilian food before. <laughs> it's very hard to how the races get together. Like when you go to the airport, we have three parking lots for cabs there, and you see cab drivers from all over the world, separate them, groups, India, Russian, China, Brazil, Italy, they don't get together. Jeanette is here for so many years, and she knows little things about every one of us. She's like our mother. Even when we don't have money, we can eat and pay another day. Someone was following me. I had a lot of cash. I was robbed at my apartment. I think that robbery affected me a lot. I think it does affect me to this day. I hear a little noise in the house. I'm always afraid, but I just gave what I have and I came out with my life. It's a life more important for money. I don't want to work in the streets anymore. It's very hard. Oh, the truck. The truck. I used that truck for five, six months. I decided that it was better if I returned it. It was not something that we would be using any longer. Eu teria que ter um restaurante montado, muito bem montado, meu, sabe? Mas... I still want to work with food. I want to have my own restaurant. I want to go to culinary school. My blue tent kitchen. I really miss it sometimes. That was a good time. I think I lived for those cab drivers. The street is a place that everyone goes. It's just a freer place to be. With the Hidden Kitchen series, we started as we always do, asking everyone we've ever met if they know anything about what we're looking for. Say everything out loud. That's one of the Kitchen Sisters' 12 commandments. We were talking with our friend Peggy Knickerbocker, a food writer and home cook and a cookbook author. Peggy grew up in San Francisco, and she's been combing the neighborhoods for years, chronicling kitchen elders and pioneers, people who hold their communities together through food. Peggy led us to Lou the Glue, the Commodore at the Dolphin Club, a swimming and rowing club tucked away in a little cove near Ghirardelli Square. When we got to the club, 
there was Lou the Glue, dressed in a Speedo, red bathing cap, and goggles, walking towards the icy bay. I guess it's flat tide, right? My tide. Might start going out on you. It will. Might. The number one thing about swimming in this stuff, look it in the eye and go. You don't have to swim Alcatraz, just go out up to here. <laughs> in North Beach, there is a saying that people who have put in a lot of time cooking behind the same stove are called old stoves. You know, they could be restaurant cooks, home cooks, or they could just be people who love to cook. All right, here we go. There's this one guy whose name is uh, Lou Marcelli. He's Lou the Glue. He's sort of the uh, custodian of the Dolphin Club, and he lives in a little attic there. And he's one of the old stoves of North Beach. He's famous for his calamari tomato sauce pasta. My name is Lou Marcelli, and I'm the Commodore of the Dolphin Club. My nickname is Lou the Glue, because I uh, have a tendency to just hang out in one spot. This club's been here since 1887, and it's, it's a swimming and boating club. We swim in the bay all year round with no wetsuits. So at the Dolphin Club, there are a lot of old Italian men, like um, firemen and policemen and waiters, and exercise a little, swim a little, and then they cook for each other, and they have a lot of wine. They just sit around and talk about the old days and talk about sex and what's going to happen to somebody if he has testicular cancer and, you know, and then, oh, you got to give him a certain kind of liver. And they have all these theories based on what their mothers told them. And they cook uh, food for each other, and I think it really keeps them going. This is my headquarters here. Says where I cook, right here. Just a little chopping board, and just throw it on, and that's it. When I cook, I always cook enough for few more people. You know, like I've been a bachelor for 75 years. The family people, you know, they come and do their thing and they leave. It's, it's the bachelors and, uh, you know, people that live alone or whatever that just don't want to go home. They just want company. And uh, they'd rather just stay here and have, you know, a glass of wine or whatever and a little pasta. So many people don't have a place to cook anymore. And I think that when they get old and they lose their kitchen, they lose a part of themselves. It's really a problem for old people because where can they cook if they're relegated to smaller and smaller spaces and then they're given terrible food? No wonder they die. Along with pumping friends and relatives about hidden kitchens, we began looking for experts, archivists, librarians, people like Phyllis Richmond, who was food critic for the Washington Post for about a quarter of a century. She also happens to be the mom of our dear friend and Radiotopia colleague, Joe Richmond, creator of Radio Diaries. Phyllis opened our eyes to the side of the road. When you are traveling, there are ways of finding unexpected food, food that's outside of the mainstream. I look through the, the most local newspaper, if there's a pancake breakfast and church bazaars, firehouse dinners or school fundraisers, uh, and I keep my eyes open on the side of the road for hand-lettered signs. Uh, and you ask people. Sometimes you find specialties that people don't make anyplace else. In Southern Maryland, there is St. Mary's County stuffed ham. It's ham that's stuffed with kale and garlic and hot pepper and wrapped in a flannel shirt and boiled. 
and then sliced and served cold. And it's a fascinating dish that you only find in that one county in the whole world. On the next episode of Fugitive Waves, we hear from some of the people who called in to the Hidden Kitchens hotline. First one up, an unexpected kitchen, the George Foreman Grill. See you then. Capyard Kitchen was produced by the Kitchen Sisters with Laura Folger, Nathan Dalton, Eloise Meltzer, Moira Bartell, mixed by Jim McKee. Fugitive Waves is produced by the Kitchen Sisters with Nathan Dalton and Brandy Howe. Special thanks to the National Endowment for the Arts, Artworks. You can follow us on Twitter at Kitchen Sisters or share your photos on Instagram. Fugitive Waves is part of Radiotopia from PRX, a collective of the best story-driven, creative, cutting-edge radio shows on Earth. Radiotopia is made possible with support from the Knight Foundation and MailChimp, who celebrate creativity, chaos, and teamwork. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Fugitive Waves or other shows like it, email sponsor at prx.org. There are 14 shows in our Radiotopia collective. You can find them all at radiotopia.fm. And don't forget to subscribe to Fugitive Waves. Stories from the flip side of history. It's an election year, have you noticed? But does it feel like our democracy is running smoothly? Does it feel like our leaders are responsive to our needs? If you don't think so, you're not alone. So the question is, how can we start to fix it? Luckily, there are things we can do right now to get us back on track. This podcast is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition, a group of shows, hosts, and networks who are banding together to try and make things better. We're partnering with Represent Us, the largest grassroots organization working city by city and state by state to pass laws that protect democracy and improve it. We need a system that works for the American people, not just special interests. And you can do your part. Go to represent.us slash podcast. That's represent.us slash podcast to join the movement today. Radiotopia.